our new bestie has changed how we track our investments. Why have over 400,000 investors chosen ShareSite? It's simple. This online investment dashboard for your investment portfolio supports over 500,000 stocks, ETFs, and funds, plus integrated with more than 200 platforms, ensures your entire investment portfolio is organized and accessible in one place. Move beyond the limited insights from brokerage statements. ShareSite offers a comprehensive view of your financial performance, including analyzed reports, dividend gains, and the impact of currency fluctuations, all through intuitive graphs and visualizations. But here's the best part. For the investee besties out there, ShareSite is offering a special deal. Save four months when you purchase an annual premium plan. It's time to dive deep into performance metrics, streamline tax reporting, and share your portfolio with ease. Join the link in the episode description to sign up to ShareSite now and transform your investment experience. Welcome to Girls That Invest. You're joined today by your host, Sim and Sonia, two millennial investors who are here to help you learn about all things investing and personal finance. Hi, Sim. How's your week going? Hello, Sonia. My week is going well. I am just like enjoying the slowness of life. So I don't have any travel in the next, I want to say like four months. And I'm just excited because now I can like do normal people things like routine and I'm just living it up. I'm a gym girly now. I have my Apple Watch. It's charged. I just feel like it is such a flex to be saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe I get to settle down for four months. <laughs> like you're forever changed. I remember when we would do international trips, like once every few years, and now you're jet sitting everywhere. I remember our first time we went to America was the time we went for work, like when you and I went. And then the second time we went to America was also for work. And we were like, we went to the States twice and we've never been to the States before. And how you live in North America. It's funny how life can change, but everyone loves routine. You feel a bit more stable. Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't really like routine. Like I used to always be like, oh, routine's boring. But now when you can't have something, when you can't have routine, now you're like, God, like give me a water bottle that I can use every single day. Like these are the things that bring me joy. I understand now why people like Frank Green water bottles. Like it's just, it's a signal of stability. Who's Frank Green? Those big, oh, you know what? You haven't been on the side of the world. They're like the big water bottles. I had a hydro flask. Yeah, they're like hydro flasks. Did I say who was Frank Green? <laughs> yeah, you did. Okay. He's John Green's younger brother. Do you know what? I thought you were heading down that road. <laughs> Now, before we begin, we want to take a moment to thank our season sponsor for powering this week's episode. Are you ready to take control of your financial future and you don't know where to begin? Meet Perla, the Aussie investing platform that makes it easy for anyone to invest in the stock market and build a sensible, diversified portfolio. With Perla, you can start investing with as little as $5. Perla's unique community-driven experience guides you through the process of selecting your investment goals, creating a portfolio tailored to your needs and tracking your progress over time. One of the things that we love most about Perla is their commitment to financial education. Perla commits to empowering investors through tools like template portfolios with access to easier investing and supportive community connections. 
Perla also offers great insight and data that help pave the way for equitable investing. Their research finds women are investing more of their income than men and more women invest on their platform than men. Perla also walks the walk with open pay transparency to help facilitate open conversations about wage, roles and opportunities within the financial industry. If you're feeling overwhelmed by all the options, Perla's platform is intuitive and easy to use with powerful tools that give you control over your investments. You can track your portfolio's performance, set up automatic investments and even invite friends and family to invest alongside you. Don't wait to start building your financial future. Check out Perla.com today and start investing in your goals. So today we are talking about some takeaways from the 2023 Berkshire Hathaway annual shareholders meeting. And you might be thinking, what on earth is that? In simple terms, Warren Buffett, who is one of the world's most famous investors, has a holding company called Berkshire Hathaway. It used to be a textile company. And under that company, they hold or own a lot of companies, a lot of shares. And they have an annual shareholders meeting where people come together in the States. There's over 30,000 people that turn up. It's almost like a Taylor Swift concert for investors. It is so pumping. People will like jump to buy tickets. People will like, you know, make a trip out of it. And everything Warren Buffett says and everything his like, I was going to say his besties, the, you know, other partners in Berkshire Hathaway say is really held on to. It's almost like God has come down and descended and said, and this year the stock market's going to do this. And everyone's like, whoa, that's crazy. God has spoken. They don't call him the Oracle of Omaha for nothing. Am I right, ladies? It's him. It's Charlie. It's Greg. It's Ajit. They are people that like have really big names in the financial world and they will sit down for hours answering questions, talking about their opinions. But I think they have every right to because Berkshire Hathaway, you can actually buy into their fund and it's up 5% this year, which is pretty good given that everything else this year is not doing so well. So rather than getting the investor besties to spend like four hours trying to listen through or read about or decipher some of the jargon that was going on because they're not, you know, the most easiest to understand conventions or events. We just thought we'd give you the main takeaways, save you some time. You're busy. We don't need to make a trip across the world to understand what's going on. We live in the time of the internet. I just want to say that I'm not downplaying the power that these people hold, but my goodness, if you do have some time, you don't need to watch the whole like near three hour conference that's uploaded on YouTube now. But when you do have time to watch a few clips here and there, they're so cute. Like when they're answering questions, I just love listening to them talk because they're super soft spoken and when we're recapping this, I feel like we're going to recap it in a millennial Gen Z sort of way. But when they're answering questions, they're like slow, they take their time, they're eating little snacks on the table, drinking water. It's like such a nice thing to like view and be a part of. And it's like, well, billionaires, they're just like us. <laughs> Right. Well, with that being said, yeah, we don't want to disrespect for them, but here we go. The first key takeaway that you need to know from what the Oracle of Omaha has said 
is that there is no option for the reserve currency to be anything but the US dollar. And you might be listening to this and going, well, what on earth does that mean, Simran? You just said like five words that you've strung together that don't make sense. Let me give you a little bit of background. So the reserve currency is basically, in simple terms, the way the world says this is the main dollar that we use or this is the main currency that the world uses. So, you know, we've got like the US dollar, we've got the pound, we've got the euro, we've got the Australian dollar, all these different countries have their own currency. But it's almost like someone has to decide or say which one's the main one, which one's the universal one. And so we call that the reserve currency. And it's basically the currency that large central banks use and financial institutions use and so therefore also gold and commodities are kept in that currency or priced in that currency and then because that happens a lot of other countries around the world that then buy the stuff have to then keep the same currency and so right now unsurprisingly the reserve currency of the world is the US dollar that's why it's so popular everywhere that's why when you shop online if you're not from the US often things are still priced in USD and Warren Buffett basically took away the fear or the concern that it is very unlikely that the US dollar is going to be dethroned even though there is concerns about the debt ceiling even though there's concerns that you know the states has a lot of money that they owe And he said, we are the reserve currency. I see no option for any other currency to be the reserve currency. The one that would take it, if anything could, would probably be the euro. It's the second most commonly held one in the world. But this is very like patriotic US way of thinking. And basically, long story short, the US dollar will remain the main way that the world holds their investments. I think it must have been such a relief to hear Warren Buffett say that because there's been a lot of uncertainty and ups and downs within like the economy in North America and the news is crazy and there's just so many things going on that impact the stock market. So I just feel like everyone at that conference let out a little bit of a breath, you know, we can breathe again. The US is still on top. I just imagine people with like the US hats on, like the ones with the US flags, just like cheering when he said that. Like, this is what happens when someone from New Zealand views this conference (laughs) and hears him speak. It's very, very American. I love it. But what is the second takeaway? So the second takeaway is that Buffett says that Apple is different. It is better business than any that we own. For context, the question posed was by someone who said that if a company has a large position in a portfolio, it makes them feel uncomfortable. And Warren and Charlie were asked to comment on his comment that Apple is 35% of Berkshire's portfolio. Firstly, Buffett clarified that Apple does not have 35% of the portfolio. And also just a side note, if you do end up watching a little bit of the conference, one of my favorite parts of him answering this question was Charlie just chewing peanut brittle, minding his business, sitting next to him, and you can hear the crunching. <laughs> and these are like very successful men, and just like, I love it, love it. He is also nearly 100, so power to you, sir. I digress. Back to Buffett. So yeah, he clarified that Apple does not have 35% of the portfolio. He spoke really, really highly about Apple. Berkshire owns about 6%, and he's super proud of the shares that they do own. Own, and that's where him saying 
there's a better business than any that we own comes into play. And he specifically like speaks to the success of the iPhone. So I do want to quote him because I think it's a pretty good example that he uses. So he says, Apple has a position with consumers where they're paying 1500 bucks or whatever it may be for a phone, and the same people pay 35000 for having a second car. If they had to give up a second car or give up the iPhone, they're giving up their second car. I mean, it's an extraordinary product. We don't have anything like that that we own 100% of, but we're very, very happy to have 56 to 6% or whatever it may be. And we're delighted every 10th of a percent that that goes up. I think it's so insane. Like Apple's brand loyalty is something to be studied and people have done the market research around our loyalty to Apple. I know that all of us are like somewhat aware of the powerhouse that is Apple and there are plenty of other brands that do phones, headphones, laptops, probably better, but people continue to choose Apple even if it is a higher price range than most products. He also mentions when answering, as he's like literally glowing about Apple, he also notes that he does regret selling some of his shares a few years ago. And so he's like bought more since then. He's like, hey kids, don't make my mistake. Look at me. I may be a billionaire, but I could have made more. I could have been a trillionaire if I had kept my Apple shares from the 90s. Yeah, I mean, he sold some shares, which made sense at the time because gains were useful from that year from a tax perspective, but he says it was a dumb decision. So that's saying something. Not that I am Warren Buffett by any stretch of the imagination, but in my portfolio of the few individual companies I have, so most of my money is kept in like an S&P 500 fund. Apple is the only company right now that is outperforming everything but that's you know where it's standing in this day I don't think what he's saying is like wait that's a good point I've never looked at Apple that way but it's almost like reassuring to know that he thinks it's a really good company as well and it's also reassuring to know that he has sold shares that he's later regretted just goes to show like even the best of the best don't always make good investment decisions For business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of a card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication, and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone, powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone and the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it, from local pop-ups to global retailers, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple, increased revenue, expanded reach and enhanced customer experience. It's a win, win, win. To learn more about how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. Yeah, my first stock was Apple. I've told that story before and, you know, Warren Buffett agrees. So what about it? Is Berkshire Hathaway got competition? (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Guys, it's me. I'm his successor. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I mean, they are getting older. Like it's probably about time. <laughs> Moving on. The third thing that was brought up in the conference that was worth noting is that Charlie Munger said old-fashioned intelligence works pretty well when he was asked about AI. So long story short, they're basically trying to say that they don't think AI is as much of a threat to the investment world or to technology and people's jobs as much as people say they are. He expressed a lot of skepticism when a shareholder asked him on the future of AI. And he thought that, you know, it would rapidly transform industries. We're going to see more of a robotic world is what he said. But he felt pretty skeptical on some of the hype around it. He said, old-fashioned intelligence works pretty well, which is still my favorite quote of the entire event. And when Warren Buffett shared his views, he kind of had a similar idea. He said, like, yes, you know, AI will quote-unquote change everything in the world, but he doesn't believe that it will trump human intelligence. And I think that's a really interesting way of looking at it because these men have spent all of their lives seeing such a huge change. Like they were there before the internet. They were there before floppy disks. They were there when you had to go into a library. They were there when you had to take little like, I forget what they're called, but they're little strips and they have like holes in them and then you feed them into a computer and that's how the computer like knows what to do. Like there's no typing. They were there before all of that. So they've seen every major technological advancement. And so first when I heard that they were, you know, sort of skeptical about AI, I was like, well, you know, they are a bit older. Maybe they can't predict or see like the future of AI. But then I was like, they've seen so many big jumps that I do actually take their word on the fact that, yes, this is revolutionary, but it's actually not that big of a deal because they've seen bigger deals. But in saying all this, I want to give a little like asterisk, a little caveat. Berkshire Hathaway and Warren Buffett's branding in general has often been very skeptical of technology. When Google came out, for example, when Alphabet shares were available, they didn't jump ahead and buy them. They were like, what is this internet thing? What is this dot-com bubble? I don't want to buy things that I don't understand. And so they didn't actually jump on a lot of tech products as early as they could have. So they've always had a bit of a skeptical streak with this. So just take what they say with a grain of salt. That's my only like parting thoughts on that. Yeah. Why do I love that though? Like they really practice what they preach. Like if they don't understand something fully, they're not going to go into it or comment on it. Like normalize not knowing everything and only commenting when you do know. Because some people just say stuff just to say stuff, you know? It's like these very successful, very intelligent billionaire investors are like, you know what? I don't really get it and I don't want to invest on it. And then you jump on TikTok and you see like 12-year-olds be like, AI, these are three reasons why you should jump in right now and like you should buy these shares. And it's like the difference is astounding. The final point that I want to speak about is that one of my favorite quotes from Charlie throughout this whole thing was sometimes portfolio diversification is diversification. <laughs> Can you say that again? I just need to wrap my head around that. He said sometimes portfolio diversification is diversification. He's cracking jokes at this conference, guys. He's so cute. Now, for context, this was actually following the Apple question and it was after Warren answered and gave his comments. And 
I think it's such an interesting thing to say. He says that one of the inane things that's taught in modern university education is that a vast diversification is absolutely mandatory in investing in common stocks. That is an insane idea. It's not that easy to have a vast plethora of good opportunities that are easily identified. And if you've only got three, I'd rather be in my best ideas instead of my worst. And obviously he's not completely dismissing the idea of diversification, but he's pointing out something to be cautious of. And I think a lot of financial influences, if you will, we don't talk about this often because we're usually pointing to diversify, diversify, diversify. But his point was that over diversification can also increase risk and you shouldn't be investing in things that you don't totally understand just for the diversification element. Still research, still know what you're investing in. And if you've got ETFs and a few companies here and there, you're good. There's not like a, oh, you have to meet 20 or 50 or 100 different companies that you're personally picking to meet this diversity quota. You know what I mean? Do you feel like you're going to change what you're investing in based off that? No. (laughs) I have been really boring. I haven't really changed my investment strategy the past year. So, no. I think that's fair. Are you? No. What do you think I'm going to do? I don't know. You ask that as if like... As if you should. Yeah. I also just want to mention, though, like as much as these are really interesting and fantastic people that have like really, you know, well thought out experiences and stuff, I cannot help but mention that Berkshire Hathaway, though it has returned 5% this year, the S&P 500 has returned 8% this year. And so even though they're doing fantastically, I don't want someone to listen to this episode and walk away and go, well, this is exactly what I should be doing or I should be following XYZ. At the end of the day, they say that for the everyday investor, passively investing, putting your money in low cost index funds is still the way to go. And if you're someone that's looking to actively invest and look at companies like Apple or AI companies, even the best of the best right now are not doing so well. And if Warren and Charlie are making a 5% return when the share market is making an 8% return, I can only pray for myself if I was trying to do the same. Like, who do we think we are, you know? On the topic of who do we think we are, should we just, like, do a Girls at Invest parody, like, shareholder meeting and just, like, host a conference and it's just, like, stock market for girlies, like, oh, my gosh, yes. This is what I'm envisioning. GTI on tour. Yes. We hit all the big cities. Done. All the countries. Absolutely. And it's just a panel of all of us at GTI talking about our thoughts and feelings about the stock market with stats, you know? Well, do you know what? I read a study a few weeks ago that women, when we share facts and information, we always feel like we need to include studies. And when men share facts and information, they do it in a very authoritative way. And they're like, I believe, da-da-da, full stop. And we'll be like, this happened, full stop, based off a 2019 study done by the New York State. (laughs) (laughs) No, I definitely get that. And it probably comes from a very dark place of people not believing us without data. Us being on the defensive. But what we're going to do, we're going to change it up. We're going to be like, do you know what? I think Apple's going to drop 12% and someone will be like, what's your research behind that? And I'll be like, my gut. Yeah. The stars align and how dare you ever question 
that's something that I would do, not you. I'm learning. It's like rubbing off on me. So just in summary, what was the main takeaway from this event? Well, four things. First, Warren Buffett said that there is no option for the reserve currency to be anything but the US. The entire US had a big sigh of relief because that's very scary for them. Warren Buffett said that Apple is different. Apple is staying and Apple is special. Not to say that he encourages everyone to go and buy Apple shares today, but they are proud of the shares that they own and they actually do regret selling some of them. Charlie said that old-fashioned intelligence is probably going to stick around and work better than AI. AI might be slightly overhyped. And he also said something that I think I'm going to think about for the rest of this week, which is that portfolio diversification is diversification. He's my favorite. Sorry, Warren. I like Warren more. Are you Charlie? Am I Warren? Yes, because I definitely would be eating peanut brittle as you answer some really serious questions. And I also am older than you. So by two months, three, three months. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, <laughs> you absolutely know. You've got this like stored in your memory. <laughs> I know when your birthday is and I know when my birthday is, Simran. <laughs> Same. I know the dates. I just can't count. <laughs> okay. I think we're done here. <laughs> well, I feel like this is probably a good place to wrap up this episode. If you've enjoyed this, if you have felt like you have saved time, learned something new, if you can take this information and weaponize it in the next conversation that you have with the finance bro and go, oh yeah, no, Warren Buffett did actually say that like he regretted Apple shares and you know what? Diversification is actually diversification. Go ahead, please do take a screenshot, put it on your Instagram story, let people know. It helps us grow the channel. It helps us reach more people and spread the word. And it just means so much to us. Until next time, Sonia. Till next time, Sim. Bye. Bye. And as always, to finish off with our disclaimer, Girls That Invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence. Alrighty, till next time team. Bye.